Hello and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I am Korvar. And I'm Kikita Kaori. And today we're going to talk about opportunities. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now we do, we don't have any like official news at the minute, but I do understand there's the Emerald Legacy has been continuing apace, but you know a little bit more about that than I do. So, Kenny, let us know what's been happening. We just have new stories each week for those who want to follow that storyline. So we've been in a pattern where there are new stories coming out each week. So they just finished their first tournament. I have nothing, no idea about card game stuff, but stories, good. I don't know. We don't have any other news, so there. <laughs> so... Opportunities. It's one of the big things about the FFG edition of Legend of the Five Rings. It's one of the new mechanics. It's very different. It's different from a lot of other more traditional role-playing games. And it both seems to be a source of confusion for some people and a source of frustration. So we thought we would go through them and hopefully help people understand them better and how to use them in a way that is more fun for the actual game at the table. Right. So these opportunities obviously come up when you get the opportunity symbol on the dice. Hopefully anyone listening to us has that much from the RPG. They are either a kind of a kicker or bonus on a successful roll, if you've had a success, or they're like a, a participation prize if you fail. They, they, they're a little something you can use if you fail a roll. However... What you can gain from the opportunities is sometimes good enough that you can intentionally fail a role just to pick out the opportunities instead. And and this is by design. So with time, as your players kind of get more of the kinds of opportunities available to them in their head and memorized, they can choose to shape their approach to solving problems based around the kind of opportunities that the different rings have for tackling problems. So maybe instead of hitting in that fire stance in combat, you want to pick a different stance, not because you're ringing that is necessarily better, but because of what kind of opportunities are available in that ring. If you can get to that level of skillful play, you can do a lot with the opportunities. They can really ratchet up the power of the game without changing your 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 character sheet at all. It's just you start using that subsystem to maximum effect. If, for example, I think that was one of the reasons why the target number to hit was not meant to... Certainly in the, in the original start of the game, the target number to be hit didn't change that much. It was generally just two, and a lot of people thought that was really weird. But I think that was precisely so that as you got better and your rings got higher specifically, you'd get your two successes but have kept dice left over for opportunities to do flashy and interesting things. Now, kind of the problem is that opportunities can cause a lot of option paralysis and analysis paralysis, which can distract and really stall the game 
especially if it happens on every single roll, which it can do, when you want to be absolutely certain you've chosen the absolute best choice for your opportunities, that can really slow things down. Now, statistically speaking, on the the dice themselves, they're a little bit rarer than successes, but still relatively plentiful. But given the keep mechanic, so you can only keep so many of the dice that you roll, at lower rings, certainly, lower portions of the game, it's more challenging to keep opportunities if you also want to succeed. So that's another decision that people have to make. Right. And because of all of this, um, the rarity of being able to succeed and have opportunities and trying to figure out what to do with your opportunities and the analysis, it is very easy to basically for a play group to just kind of subvert opportunities and just escape the system completely. Um, and we'll talk about we'll talk about that because what I wanted to talk about next was four different ways that you can choose as a group to deal with this opportunity system. And in particular, dealing with the analysis paralysis rather, you know, uh, rather than these are, these are big ways. We've got some tips at the end of this that will give you some suggestions in addition to this, but these are the, the main different ways that groups tend to interact with opportunities and you can pick the ones that work best for you. So the first option um, is if you have, uh, this is for very new players, maybe just starting out with the beginner's game, uh, or you just can't take the analysis paralysis and all of that. Um, And that is working with a very minimal number of types of opportunities. So we say, okay, you can use opportunities to fuel your techniques and your weapons. So this is critical strike because you need that opportunity and opportunities from the techniques you buy. But beyond that, all opportunities are used just to negate strife. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have a technique for it, then you don't get to spend it. And given that you only have so many techniques, that means you have a very set number of opportunity spends. So presumably it's not going to take you much time to decide, do you want to spend or not? Um, and then anything left over you use to negate strife. And when we talk about negating strife, um, I would I would just call it that every opportunity spent um, negates one strife. On the dice, yeah. And on the dice and so that water is not completely underpowered because its power comes from it. water, uh, water negates too. Yeah. Um, doesn't water also allow you to negate existing strife that you've already taken? It's been so long. Yes. Yeah. That's why it allows. That's, that's a really negate too. Yeah. Uh, just keeping that in mind, uh, you know, the water negates strife or fatigue. It, it's, it's pretty simple and it, it, brings water up to being a useful stance in in like a duel or situations where it otherwise isn't um, necessarily so handy. Um, this uh, is really very, very limiting for opportunities. And it also makes strife 
itself less of a factor for anything of the game. It basically negates two subsystems of the game. Um, but it is very simple, and it helps your team adapt to opportunities, but definitely don't recommend staying in this phase for very long. Um, and watch out for players who choose just to do this, right? If the rest of your group has gone to more things, you might need to coach an individual player out of just doing this because um, they can't make decisions. So keep an eye out for it because if they do, then like I said, it kind of negates the opportunity mechanic, negates the strive mechanic, and they're going to fall behind. So that's, that's option one. <laughs> option two is working with a short custom list of opportunities plus your technique opportunities. There was an example in the last province podcast, Blood of the Lioness, at one hour, 14 minutes in of, of this kind of play. So you replace the basic opportunities with five broad opportunities and a, a conflict opportunity list. So you can negate strife on kept die per opportunity spent. So not strife you've already taken, but strife that appears in that die roll. That's one thing you can do. You can add a descriptive adverb to the technique. So I quickly attack. I stealthily approach. You know, I charmingly play go. I'm not quite sure how you do that charmingly. But but you're adding an adverb, right? How you do the thing. This could decrease the target number, maybe, if that particularly improves your chance of success, or that, that would really obviously seem to improve your chance of success. If you fail the check... You get to narrate how you mitigate the loss or you help someone else. So on the next check for yourself or someone else, there can be assistance on that same check in the future, right? So you can have an opportunity. An opportunity to spend allows you to make your failure less of a failure. You can also, these are all separate things, by the way. I I didn't quite make that clear. Right. (laughs) If you succeed you succeed more because you're you're adding an additional effect to your success. So that might be a thing like I attack, I hit, and I'm also snared their weapon. Or I've, you know, successfully done this combat maneuver and I can also protect someone. Those sorts of things. If you have two or more opportunities, you can use a twist of fate to introduce a new fact or detail or circumstance to the scene as if you were the GM. So that's quite powerful. And the last one, which is, I think this is the the conflict opportunity list, this gains you an effect corresponding to the stance you were in. So if you were in air stance in the midst of a clash or a skirmish or an intrigue or a duel, if you're in air stance you can spend an opportunity to learn information. Earth enables you to reduce fatigue, strife, or critical strike damage. Fire forces a target to focus their next action on you or suffer strife. Water removes fatigue, recovers strife, or moves a range band. Void can be used to remove a terrain effect or increase initiative. So... If you take these opportunities that uh, 
basically Robert Denton has set up, they roll up many, many of the existing opportunities from the tables into kind of these shortcut things. However, there are a couple of problems with it. That's fine, too. Some, A lot of these areas are up to interpretation with the game master. So it's very table dependent. And they're certainly not all the same strength. Mm. Guidance for things like adverb by ring probably takes some practice. So if I say I want to stealthily pick up somebody, you know, do this thing, that's going to be an air ring, but there's no guidance in there saying it is an air ring. You just need to learn that, grok that. All in all, this is a style that is very good for creative and flexible people. Mm. And is it's harder for people who are more rules-oriented or more rigid in the way that they think about things. So not everybody is equally okay with this kind of flexible rule structures. And, and it can make people anxious at the table when when you put it in place. But, um, you know, if you're flexible, you can work with this kind of halfway point in terms of flexibility, then it can, then it can be, be good. You have to be very creative, come up with your new circumstance or your additional effect or mitigating or, you know, improve descriptive adverb. This takes a lot of creativity on the spot while you're working. And that has its own analysis paralysis effect as you try and creatively think of what your adverb is going to be right there in the moment and and and, and how you can how you can engineer things so that the thing you're good at is going to give you the effect that you want even if even if right that isn't necessarily the most obvious kind of combat like like using earth to stealthily pick up that note that someone dropped for example and you kind of really want it to be Earth, but you also kind of want to be stealthy. Yeah. So this, these these areas of negotiation with the GM are very group dependent. Yeah, this is this is so it, definitely a session zero thing. Yes, and probably an ongoing thing depending on your on your group. Assumably, in addition to this that they didn't mention in the podcast, you would have to add of course, techniques, but you'd also have to have uh, the opportunities for things like critical hits on strikes. The game system breaks down if you don't have a way to make critical hits like that. So my biggest problem with this technique overall uh, is actually that uh, a lot of the things that you could describe or put in here under an opportunity are covered with specific techniques. So if I spend my opportunity on top of a success to do an additional effect on somebody, there is very likely a technique that does that same thing with that opportunity already. But if you can just do it without the technique, why would you bother with the technique? So, uh, and then you could just focus on your, on your core curriculum stuff. And, and it, to me, it, it underpowers or it, it ends up with this, um, trick in leveling where if you figure this out that you can do what techniques do with just opportunities but somebody else doesn't you know it's like a, a gotcha in leveling and then if you figure it out later then you look at your f 
early part of your character sheet and are, are cursing that you didn't spend those three points on something else. So I, I never kind of like those those gotchus. Um, however, you can too. Instead of using uh, the last province list, you can make up your own list of shortened opportunities that suits your specific game. So you know, if you just can't handle all of it, then, then come up with the ones you can't handle and make a sheet and hand it to them for that. That's another option. Now, you could go even further in that direction and just use freeform opportunities. So that is our option three. Opportunities are completely freeforming in effect. The GM interprets the player's request of what to do with that opportunity as they see fit, which on the one hand, you're not looking at lots of tables. Um, and this is very, very flexible, fewest rules. It can also be very difficult for people who aren't very good at improvisation and adaption and coming up with these things on the fly. And it's also reasonably easy to abuse or forget to have variations that work for one player when they try it, but not for another, it being inconsistent and things like that. So if you have experienced GMs and players and a very trusting and collaborative relationship between the GM and the players, this can be very strong. It allows for a lot of freeform, a lot of adaption, a lot of player agency, but it might not be that easy for certain people to come up with this stuff on the fly. Mm -hmm. And it can end up with everything needing a negotiation. Absolutely everything needs some kind of a negotiation, and that's a problem. Right. And this is kind of taking L5R in the direction, as I understand it, of something like Powered by the Apocalypse. And, you know, you're pushing much more into that domain of um, with these opportunities. That's what they're there for, the, to do the Powered by the Apocalypse-driven story. Yeah, which which can be a good thing if that's what you're aiming for. And it must be said that that freeform opportunities are meant to be part of the game. You know, you, you aren't meant to just be locked into those tables. This is taking that and just using the freeform opportunities. And I, I kind of think this this can also make the whole uh, the, that issue with techniques even more apparent. Where if you can just freeform it with opportunities, do you really even need techniques? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of techniques are just opportunity type things. So the final thing, uh, option four, is yes, going ahead and working with the opportunities as written in the book. This is not saying that you can't do a free form opportunity type. Yeah. Because that is once in a while. That is officially one of the options. <laughs> so it's in the rules. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That is officially once in the options. But by default, that's not what you're doing. No. That's for most of the time. Stances. And this is rules as written. However, <laughs> this is almost impossible to play out properly with just the books because the opportunity tables are in multiple places. It is, it's actually very difficult, even with just the core book, because there are actually several opportunity tables just in the core book. And then you have opportunity tables in multiple places. In multiple books. I mean, in a way, it's not quite so bad 
that each individual technique has its own opportunity to spend because theoretically the players are writing those down or taking note of those specific things but that is effectively adding to their own personal opportunity table in addition to everything that's spread out through all of the books yeah all right so this gets long and even though there are printed aids out there where they've put where people have put together a single list of all of these opportunities onto one sheet that you can hand out to your players I'm, i i would generally be surprised I would generally be surprised if it was literally one sheet. Right. This is this is long. This is a long list, but you can you can do it. Uh, it all depends on your font size, you know. Yeah, that's true. How, <laughs> however, if you want to do rules as written and you want to try and, uh, uh, you know, if nothing else for the more rules oriented people in your group who who aren't as creative on the fly, and you're trying to deal with this problem. On craneclan.weebly.com, the Winter Garden of Kikita website, there is a resource that is called the Fifth Ed Opportunity Table. This is not a printout at all. <laughs> okay, this is not a, this is an application, basically. We'll have a link to this in our notes, but you can find it in the RPG resources on craneclan.weebly.com. In it, you pick from a list that has the general situation you're dice rolling in, which the options are general, skirmishes, intrigues, duels, mass battles, or uh, related to various conditions and terrains. So you go to this website, you see this table, and you click on what, what it is. It's a skirmish. Uh, general always is applied. So if it's a skirmish, but you're not doing something particularly skirmish, you can always fall back and use use general. And then you will see a table and it has rings across the top, each ring. And then it has a variety uh, in the left column going down of different kinds of actions you can do in that kind of environment, like in an intrigue or a skirmish or or whatever. So for example, uh, if you are in a skirmish and you want to do a strike action, which is a specific action type, you go across the top to earth and then go down the table to strike action. And you will see uh, an adge uh, adjective there. Earth strike, the adjective or the, the verb there is withstand. Or it might be an adverb, but it's just it's a, it's a hyperlink that's at that intersection, right? And you click that hyperlink. Or if you're in fire and challenge, you go across to fly, fire and then down to the challenge action in the skirmish. And then you click that link, which is called insight. Um, anyway, you click that link. So now you have identified what ring you're doing and what thing you're wanting to do. And when you click the link, it takes you to an opportunity table that draws from all of the books, all the published material that is out today, depending on how fast I can keep things updated, <laughs> but it's up to date, I think, right now. I don't think there are any new ones in Blood of the Linus um, that I haven't added. Um, and you get a description of that activity. Let's see a strike action. Um, if you click details, you can actually see a small breakdown of rules related to that activity, like TN2 or, you know, and you'll see some information about that stance too. It's just a good little overview of that activity and the rules that apply. But then you get a activity and ring specific opportunities table. 
So it's not the whole thing. It's only the opportunities that will actually potentially be applicable to that role that you just made. You still have to decide from that. And there's about eh, 10 or 12 per per one, though you can see repeats a lot. But at least you've got 10 or 12 rather than hundreds of opportunities there. These are just the ones that are applicable here. Um, also, if there are techniques that have opportunities there, you can scroll down to the bottom and you can see the different techniques and pick the technique that you might have and see the opportunity uses that might also be applied to that role. So as far as techniques go, these are only opportunity-only techniques. If you are using a technique that's its own unique action, um, you would generally use the general opportunities table with that technique rather than in the skirmish, and then it applies to that. Uh, for example, uh, an Iejitsu strike can, Rising Blade, can use general opportunities from the general table, but the critical strike opportunity is unique to the strike action, not the technique. Therefore, you can't do critical strikes on an Iejitsu technique. So you have to use what's written in them. So it's not quite, when a technique is a specific action, it doesn't have its own mini table for that. So it speeds it up a lot. It's not perfect. You still have to choose between 12, but it's the list isn't quite so long. Uh, and uh, as you get familiar with it, it's all grouped the same way. So you can see, oh, these are the ones that are different than the general generic ones, if I want something special. And you'll memorize some of them over time. So it works pretty well, but it, it's definitely anything to do with using the full list of opportunities is going to take longer than just using opportunities to negate strife. But on the other hand, it's rules is written, so less negotiation with the GM. The GM should grant it if it's in the rules. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a very impressive looking resource, I have to say. Thank you very much. It's been a lot of work. <laughs> It, I made it because I could not, I could not do this without it. I, I'm a terrible victim of analysis problems. This is absolutely the, <laughs> you know, the, the 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 case of you solve the problem that you need solved. Yeah. So those are our four options here that we've kind of been suggesting here. So ranging from very limited opportunities. Semi-limited, you know, with a, with a very specific custom list, going full freeform and going rules as written, preferably using some kind of aid, especially the one that has been written with a lot of effort on craneclan.wibbly.com. And as I said, we'll put a link to that. Uh, hopefully that will, one of those options will appeal to you and will help speed up your game and, and, also help make things a little less confusing. There are some general ideas as well that we've had about how you can make opportunities work better in the game and make things go faster and make things go better. One of which is essentially picking what opportunities you're likely to want to use before you roll. So if you are in air stance and you're attacking someone, for example, then if you already have an idea that you're thinking, 
I want to increase, if I get, I, I want to dodge out of the way. So I want to use opportunities to make myself harder to hit or less likely to take damage if I succeed. That's my plan. So if if you're already thinking those terms before you roll the dice, even if you don't know the specific opportunity spend that does that, you're going to be much quicker in working out what you're going to do next if you get opportunities. Right. So before you make your roll, you think about, okay, I, I, I like this technique. I'm going in for this technique. I want to use this technique opportunity. People people always do that. But broaden that now. Make it to, uh, okay, if I get opportunities on this, if I get one, I will do this to bring down my strife, or I will do this to make him have more strife, or I will do this to assist somebody else the next turn. Don't forget those assist ones. Those are really good. Um, but but think about that before you make your roll. What will I do if I get one? What will I do if I get two? You don't have to worry about more than two because then <laughs> there's very few three three opportunity techniques and, and uh, that's kind of what you want to think about. Um, I suggest using... To, uh, your initiative opportunities for observations. That's the best time to make observations in conflict. Um, just because you're not, it's not consuming any action. It's not doing something that is an active. You can't snare somebody on a initiative, for example, or, or, or do other things that are more handy. You only do it once per conflict. That's a good time to do your information gathering stuff. Um, so, so like when you're rolling initiative, think, okay, making observations, that should be what you think. In general, you should pick your action without worrying about opportunities. Just pick the one that's the best for what you want to do, unless you are super sure there is definitely an opportunity you absolutely want. And that takes a lot of familiarity. So let yourself get familiar with, and then after that, you can start, okay, I'm going to pick the action for the opportunity. You kind of flip it around. If I know I'm going to hit on every blow, then I can like, okay, instead of worrying about, am I going to hit or not? think, okay, I'm hitting on, every, I'm, I'm going to hit, I think, uh, and this is what I'm going to do with my opportunity. And then you start changing it around and then you start tuning the action towards the opportunity rather than having the opportunity be the add-on. So it's a kind of leveling up in your skill as, as a player. I think that's the biggest thing you can do as a player to speed things along is have an idea of what you want to do with opportunities if they crop up. And if you don't have any ideas, then negate strife and just move on. Honestly, that'll keep things moving. As a GM, you can. There's a few other things you can do to speed things up. Be ready ahead of time before you start a scene, really, with an idea or two, anyway, for observation opportunities. So this would be, you know, in another game, this might be when you what we you would give if your player said, "I search for clues." Just keep observation opportunities back pocketed. Maybe write them on an index card. And store them away so that when you are hit with these, they're not a surprise. They're just like, oh, here they are. And, and you can pull it out and look at it. it is very normal to twist the observation 
to fit the kind of opportunity used. So in fire stance, the observation opportunity is notice something that is not there that should be, right? Whereas in a different stance, it's, you know, like in void stance, it's notice something supernatural. <laughs> and in water stance, it's it's something else. Um, it is not against the rules for the GM to say, okay, I am going to tr- interpret that notice something that's not there to say, you notice that the sound of life is gone in the area and you feel voidy vibes. If what you really had was kind of a void opportunity, but they did it with fire. You, you notice the lack of spirits. And that's technically a void opportunity, but you've kind of warped it to fire. But you're the GM, so it's allowed. Yeah, you find, you find a way of making it work. I mean, I have to say with investigations especially, I think I'd be telling my players – Feel free to just casually, when you roll your whatever it is you're using to investigate, feel free to just casually leave opportunities on the table and go, look, just in case. And so to give the GM the opportunity to go in. And you also find the following as you need to. Um, you really should encourage spending opportunities in for observations because as we said earlier on it's very easy for players to get into this opportunities are to negate strife rut and knowing that you're handing out clues with your opportunities uh, is one of the good ways to get players out of it Um, don't the other thing is especially with new players or players that aren't seeing the horizon, seeing what to do with opportunities. Don't be too hesitant to give hints or suggestions on what good uses for opportunities would be. Um, GM should always be helpful to their players. Um, but if you, you know, if you, if that person is, is using a snaring weapon and never uses their snare opportunities, you should remind them that they exist and that they could snare with it. And that could be doing good things for them. Um, if, you know, just feel free to remind them, you know, they, you see the role as it comes up that they're keeping two opportunities. It's like, you could negate strife with that. But on the other hand, I might have some, you know, or you can do some other things and just keep that. And that will help your players grow. What, what I actually did when I ran the beginner's box way back when, um, you see the beginner's box of the DLC and they rolled, and I did, in fact, say to them, because I knew there was a clue that they weren't seeing or there was there were things I could have told them. I said, yeah, I feel free to spend an opportunity right now. Spend that opportunity that is right there in front of you on finding stuff out, you know, you know specifically at, to let them know that that's the thing they can do and that it was worthwhile in this situation. I think also having opponents make it very clear that they are spending opportunities to do things, right? So you literally start walking through what dice they're keeping and what they're doing, and so that you are modeling that behavior for the players. It's another way of them learning how the game works. What your goal in the end with your players is, and it takes time and it takes actually using the system, is you want them to end up with a solid gut feel of what they can do with their opportunities. So they can just kind of glance at a resource, even if they're using the full table, they can like pop into the action, 
quick glance there, just as a reminder, or even I remember I do this, it works well, I'll do it every time. You know, just have that in their head. So then they're no longer suffering from analysis paralysis. They're no longer trying to decide between all their options. They know their best options because they've used them and practiced and versed them before. But that doesn't come right away. That comes with practice and use. And uh, you have to kind of help your players get there. And if you're subverting the system by letting them sit on negating strife, they never get to learn the whole thing. So just different things to think about. Please uh, let us know any tips that you might have for, for opportunities to make it, to make it easier. Uh, anything else that you wanted to hear us say, you know, talk about for them. Let us know that too. Yeah. I'm reasonably certain that there's way more that we could do on this topic. So if you have any suggestions or any questions, we would very much like to know. We would like to, very much like to hear. Um, but that's it for us this week. I did want to call out once again, Last Province Podcast for letting us, well, uh, we kind of borrowed their system <laughs> for limited opportunities because it's it's good. Credit to the folks over there. It is not our own. So you go listen to them. <laughs> Uh, we also want to give a call out to our sister podcast, Fortune and Strife, which is our affiliated actual play podcast, and our friends of D20 Radio. Uh, yeah, we wanted to also call out our Patreons. Uh, we have Agasha Haruki and Kato Noctis. Thank you so much for yes. sponsoring us. Thank you so much. And working with us. We appreciate your support. And also... Um, the support of all of our patrons that that make it possible for us to keep doing this week after week. We we hope that you enjoy it. Uh, also enjoy the other things that we have for our patrons. Uh, our special bonus content like adventure seeds, early access to our AP podcasts. We have some new Patreon stuff coming out for Fortune and Strife soon, um, and and other things as as we think of them. Our, our content is funded by the this the Discord Patreon, and so as well as the podcast costs, it also has our website hosting costs in there. So that's where we can have long term information, summaries of podcasts. We've got forums on there. There are RPG tools and a whole bunch more. So thanks again to all our Patreons for helping support us and keep us going. Online, you can find us at our website at courtgamespod.com, on Twitter at twitter.com slash courtgamespod, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash courtgames. But that is it for us this week. This is Kakita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. And I've been Korva. And until we meet again, keep your jade handy.
be with the coach. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com.